Hello everyone, and welcome to Downsizing, the podcast where we try and figure out when The Office actually ended, because everyone would have been fired. My name is Curtis, and with me is my co-host and resident office expert, Antoinette. Hey everyone. And we also have Owen joining us again today. Yeah, he might have more to say this time, we'll see. He is actually conscious during this uh, recording, so yes, we will see if he jumps in at some point. Today we will be discussing Season 6, Episode 8, Koi Pond. Jim struggles with his power, Pam and Andy go door to door, and Michael takes a dip. This episode's cold open is one of those odd ones that plays directly into the main plot of the episode. So we don't get really many jokes here. We do kind of get Michael being just kind of ditzy um but that's about it we'll talk about why that is in the annex actually about why this cold open kind of seems a little odd okay the cold open kicks off with jim in his office and michael is joining him and michael seemingly is just kind of hanging out in there because he has nothing better to do which sounds about right yeah and Jim is preparing for what we will learn is a sales call, and it is a solo sales call. And Aaron comes to Jim's office and says that the, you know, wherever they are going is ready for the both of them, both of them being Jim and Michael. And so Jim is kind of confused as to why all of a sudden this meeting is a two-person meeting rather than just him. Yeah, in Jim's mind, he set this up and doesn't really need Michael. He's viewing it as micromanagement by Michael and just a lack of faith, quite honestly. But it turns out when Jim calls to sort of clarify that it's just going to be him and to let this client know that there's been some changes to the structure at Dunder Mifflin, that the client would feel more comfortable if Michael came along, which is just super fascinating apparently this is a big client i don't know if we're to assume that this was michael's client um and jim sort of stepping in to the role but it does seem a little surprising because with michael as regional manager i don't know if there is a lot of times in which he still retains his clients you know what i mean yeah and that's something i was very confused about with this this scene in particular but with the episode in general is i don't know why jim and michael are going on sales calls it doesn't make much sense they should be they're running the in david wallace's words the big picture and the day-to-day they are not responsible for getting or retaining clients i guess if maybe sure if it is kind of one of a bigger fish you might want to get some FaceTime with, you know, kind of the higher ups there to kind of solidify your status with that client. But I wouldn't think that Michael and Jim would be doing this regularly. And that leads me to a bit of a critique of this episode and the season, and we've said it a little bit before. It's just sort of stagnant, and the storylines aren't making a whole ton of sense. This is another episode where we are seeing the impact of the co-manager relationship. 
And that's kind of what we've gotten all of this season so far. But in my opinion, it's not playing out super well. It is just something that keeps coming up without great resolution. I agree. I do think, though, that this episode, at least comedically, is better than some of the previous ones that we've had. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. And so the main part of this episode focuses around something that happened at this meeting. When we see Michael and Jim return from the sales call, Michael is soaking wet. And so obviously people have some questions about that. And Michael's excuse is that they got caught in just a weird flash rainstorm, a lot of wind, a lot of rain, and he just got soaked. Except Jim is completely dry. And so obviously that's not what happened. Yeah, Jim says he outran this flash thunderstorm. And the whole office learns that there's a there's an actual story behind this because the client keeps calling to Dunder Mifflin. And it turns out that Michael fell into a koi pond in the lobby. So that there's, apparently the setup is that there's sort of a walkway in the lobby of this client going over a pond without any sort of uh, barriers or railing or anything, which probably, I mean, it's obviously not a deep pond, but probably isn't the, the best setup for an office lobby. And so now that kind of opens the floodgates for the members of the office to poke a little fun at Michael. And I would say rightfully so, because how does one just walk into an open body of water? Unless the walkway was like slippery with water and he like slipped and fell in. Uh, yeah, I guess, maybe. I, I, okay, I will give Michael some credit here. Later on in the episode, we do see video footage of this, and it does not appear to be the most well-designed walkway. It does appear to have kind of like this switchback. Uh, so if you were to not be paying attention and you just kept walking straight, at some point you're going to take a step and there's not going to be anything there. Right, yes. It also appears to be very narrow and one that not two, two people should not be walking like side by side on it, which Michael and Jim were. Yeah, another kind of big design flaw for a lobby. As we know, Michael prefers making fun of people to being made fun of. As he said, he is not normally the butt of the joke. He's normally the face of the joke. And Michael, we know as well, is very sensitive. He does not like being made fun of. And there's a lot of wordplay happening. Another issue is he has to borrow a suit from Jim. And Jim is a lot taller than Michael. So he's wearing this too baggy suit for him. And so Michael decides that what everyone needs is sensitivity training. And where do they go? Conference room. Conference room meeting for some sensitivity training so that everyone can learn what not to say and what not to make fun of people about. 
And as is brought up at the very beginning of this conference room meeting, and that you just alluded to, Michael makes fun of people all the time. And so people are a little upset that he is the one that is going to be saying, hey, no more making fun of anybody. And of course, Michael being Michael and A, not being very bright, but B, also having just this self-centered vision of what goes on in life. When people bring up that, hey, you make fun of us all the time and we don't like it. He's like, well, I can't tell if you're when you say stop, if you're saying like actually stop or saying, oh, my gosh, stop. You're so hilarious and you're so funny and I can't stop laughing. You're you're hitting the nail on the head here. And so Michael, of course, doesn't want the rules to apply to him. He wants the rules to apply to other people. Exactly. Michael's super confused as to why other people would not want to be mocked. And so he creates a do not mock list and everyone gets to call out things that they don't want to be mocked about. And a lot of these are like, for example, Kevin says he doesn't want to be mocked about his weight, which Michael says is not specific enough. So a lot of these are things that should not be something people are making fun of anyways. They're they're somewhat bullying sort of things in the very broadest context of that. Not that Michael's bullying, but things that people just don't need pointed out to them. Although I will say one funny one is from Ryan. And Ryan is now, I think we've said this before, but is now in this hipster sort of phase he's got the square glasses and um like the fedora he was wearing last episode or the episode before that he says that what he doesn't want to be mocked about is his ill-defined relationship and michael's like what do you want me to put down and ryan's response is just put kelly and kelly's sitting next to him and she's like oh he said me we also get instances of people saying they things they don't want to get made fun of about when people weren't making fun of those things. Angela says that she doesn't want to be made fun of for her petite figure, nor does Dwight want to be made fun of for his small nose. (laughs) And really it takes Dwight saying that he has a small nose for people to realize that he has a small nose. Right. The meeting sort of devolves a little bit as these conference room meetings tend to do. And with Jim as co-manager, he now has the authority and the power to call off these meetings. And that's exactly what he does. He just says, okay, we've had enough. Everyone's had their chance to put things on the list. This is good. Michael is still just can't let this go that people are making fun of him. So Jim's advice to Michael is for Michael to poke fun at himself, to sort of take away the power from everyone in the office and let it all blow over. That this do not mock thing is actually having the opposite effect that Michael is looking for. And it's here that we see what becomes a tale of two lonely men in the two main plot lines of this episode. That's really good, Curtis. Michael does a fantastic job of 
making fun of himself. He is actually likable and in a minute here sympathetic for one scene of this entire series so good job to steve carell for pulling this off michael is doing exactly what jim tells him to do and is making fun of himself people in the office are joking around with him about it and laughing with him and phyllis eventually goes you know you're right like that's a really dumb place to put a koi pond and Michael, as he sees this is working, keeps going and going and going in the self-deprecation. Except he goes past the koi pond thing and goes into just kind of the doldrums that his life is at this moment. Yeah, he said it's not the first pond he's fallen into and that every year of high school the volleyball team threw him into the frozen lake. Then he brings up that he was getting a new cell phone plan, and it's one where he could put on, you know, five friends and family, and he didn't have anyone to name. And that's when he really starts to kind of start crying, and everyone's like, oh, God. And Jim tries to cut him off, and it just, again, unfortunately for Michael, devolves into how empty his life can seem sometimes. This saga takes a bit of a turn when Meredith, announces to the office that her roommate's brother or something like that works for the security office at this office building that Michael and Jim were at and that she has the footage of Michael falling into the koi pond. And when Jim hears this, he all of a sudden gets very defensive for Michael and just saying hey he's had enough I don't think we need to see the video things like that and he does this all the way up until the point to where Meredith is putting in the CD into her computer and gathering everybody around to watch the video and this is because as Michael is stumbling into the koi pond Jim appears to lean away from Michael, kind of just letting him go into the pond, rather than trying to, say, grab him to keep him from going into the pond. Yeah, it's sort of, like Curtis said, a very prominent leaning away from Michael. And everyone immediately sort of turns on Jim at this point. It takes Michael's side a little bit, I would say. But you have to wonder if some of what we saw in the cold open and some of Jim's frustration about not really being able to do his job, this job that he got promoted to in full without Michael sort of looking over his shoulder. And we always see that Michael does not like when Jim says they're at the same level. Michael still wants to be the top manager. So there's still some of this butting heads and competition between the two of them. So that may have, I don't know, perhaps impacted Jim's actions as Michael was falling into this koi pond. That is, I think, implied here, yes. And so now the tables have turned, sort of. Yeah. People are now making fun of Jim for hanging Michael out to dry. Not literally, obviously, since Michael (laughs) falls into a pond. 
and Michael even kind of gets in on it when he and Jim are talking about what happened and Michael kind of just wants to let things go. The thing here for me though is is that these two things are not at all close to being equal. Like not really, in yeah. terms of like Michael getting made fun of for being clumsy and falling into a pond and Jim being made fun of for allowing Michael to fall into that pond. Like one of these things is definitely worse than the other. Yeah. It's and that's where like you said, there's comedic elements to this episode, but that's where the episode sort of, I don't know, maybe falls a little flat. Like, the circle wasn't fully connected, maybe. Yeah, like, this is the difference between Kevin being made fun of for his weight and Angela being made fun of because of how tiny she is. Or sure, that she exactly. eats like a squirrel. Exactly, like, like, they're not really equal, like you said. Yeah, and so this is admittedly a kind of heartwarming moment from Michael because he does in fact be the bigger man here he kind of acknowledges that they aren't on the greatest terms professionally yeah and then just does these small little poking fun of Jim things which is at the same time making fun of himself because Michael is still the butt of the joke here like if somebody's going to mention hey Jim remember that time you let Michael fall into the koi pond you're still talking about the fact that Michael fell into a koi pond. Yeah, I, that's a good point because Jim didn't push Michael in. The opportunity sort of arose in the sense that Michael was already falling in and Jim didn't do anything about it. It's sort of a reactive or lack of reactive thing on Jim's part. Two people who do not take part in making fun of Michael are Pam and Andy. And that is because they are not in the office because they have been sent out on the road to make cold calls. Which has to be completely awful because it's in-person cold calls. It's not even just picking up the phone. You are literally bothering someone or not sure if they're available. You're just driving around. And Pam explains to the camera that the reason that it's Pam and Andy is it's because the people with the two lowest sales for the quarter. And we know Andy is a struggling salesman. And it does not appear as though Pam has been able to replicate her success at the Michael Scott Paper Company. This is pretty poor management by Jim and Michael because why would you make your two worst salespeople go bother people face to face which is worse than them calling you in the first place like that is a really good point it takes a different level of salesperson to show up at your door and talk you into getting the product you're trying to sell yes that is a really great point especially if maybe they're trying to grow their customer base Think about the difference between Andy making a pitch and Dwight making a pitch. We've seen it in season three. We've seen it a couple other times. Like the pitch by Andy is not going anywhere. And that's exactly what happens on these cold calls. But the weird thing that keeps happening is that there's this assumption that Andy and Pam are together, that they're a couple. And then Pam is somewhat visibly pregnant at this point probably around 24 to 26 weeks let's say so about six months and then there's this assumption that 
it is Andy's baby, that they're a couple, that somehow Dunder Mifflin is a family company. It's kind of weird. Yeah, that is a bit of a stretch to see two people who are of an opposite sex and just like together and just assume, oh, they're a couple, obviously. Especially when they likely explained why they're there. Also, especially in a professional setting. Like if you say had a wedding and you invited a single person and they brought a plus one that happened to be the opposite sex. I think there would be an assum- a slight assumption at least that yes. they were a couple because it's a social setting and that's a kind of a date type exactly. setting. But these two people obviously work together and so there is a reason other than the fact that they are dating that they would be together at that time. It's a very weird storyline. And the first time it happens, Pam just laughs it off. And it's like, oh, no, definitely not. And Andy gets offended. So then the second time it happens, Andy takes it five steps further, which is exactly what Andy always does, and says, uh, no, I date models. And I date women that are much hotter than Pam. And Pam's our surrogate because it doesn't matter what she looks like. Just taking it to the extreme. So then the third time that this happens, they just decide to go with it. And the woman that they're speaking with is clearly knowledgeable about pregnancy and labor and delivery because she's talking about birth coaches. And to Pam's surprise, Andy's like, oh yeah, I know who you're talking about. She's on Clearview Avenue. And Pam is sort of taken aback. And then Andy just keeps on going with this narrative putting his hand on Pam's belly, talking about the baby, really playing into the fact that he's the quote-unquote supposed father of this baby. It's just, it's really weird. And like Curtis said, this is the tale of two lonely men. Right, because on the car ride back to the office, Pam kind of brings up the fact that, hey, that was all pretty weird what you did there. And... Andy just admits that he got caught up in the story, in the fantasy, because it's kind of like Michael. He just wants to have a family of his own and a person to start that family with. And this is where he admits to Pam that he doesn't really get out all that much and he doesn't meet a whole lot of people, but he does have an interest in Aaron. Pam isn't the biggest fan of Aaron when Andy asks what she thinks of Aaron. Pam's response is, yeah, it, and they're just different people. Uh, Pam, that Aaron just doesn't seem like Pam's type of person, I would say. I mean, I guess. I don't know. Like, I don't know who Pam's type of person is. Jim. Yeah, another just white bread person. Like, I'm not saying Aaron's like the bee's knees or whatever. <laughs> Like, she just has a personality, and that personality is that she's kind of spacey. Okay, yeah. Pam doesn't have a personality. So at the end of the episode, Pam has a fax that needs to get sent out, and Aaron's kind of a weirdo about stuff, and she says, no, no, don't hand it to me face up. Turn it over so I don't accidentally read it, which Aaron's a part of the office. I'm sure she's going to be privy to some information. 
And Aaron asked how things went on the sales calls. And unsurprisingly, Pam and Andy didn't pick up any new clients, but Pam sees an opening here to maybe help Andy out. And she sort of takes pity on him in some respects and tells Aaron that she had a really fun time with Andy. And Aaron's response is kind of funny and saying that, yeah, Andy's like the coolest person ever and he's so fun. So clearly there is some interest on Aaron's part. A semi-related point here, and it goes back to what I said a couple minutes ago about the fact that two people of opposite genders who work together, it's weird that somebody would just assume that those two people are together. We are talking about The Office, however, where there are uh, just, let me think here, just a real quick thing, six in office couples throughout this entire series maybe probably more than that obviously maybe more and it's just because we never leave the office like the pool is very limited yes and so in the universe of the office i guess it isn't quite a stretch to assume that two people of opposite gender are this are dating as i've said in this podcast before though You should never, ever comment on someone's pregnancy or make an assumption that someone is pregnant. And that's what all of these potential clients have done to Pam. Well, Andy brings it up with the receptionist at the beginning. You're right. He says that it's a team of three. And the woman was like, oh, that's nice. Um, And then we kind of get thrown in mid-conversation with the other woman. So, yeah, but... You are correct. Yes, never assume a woman is actually pregnant. Especially just in a professional setting. It's just not what the conversation should be about, in my opinion. Other people are going to feel differently about that. That's just my opinion. I will say that with my pregnancy with Owen, it was during COVID lockdown and no one really knew from a professional standpoint for me because I was on video calls or working from home and it wasn't visible and so that was actually a really nice perk of covid times so i am very very curious what you alluded to earlier so let's go to the annex with antoinette and find out any fun facts about the episode so the cold open that you see on netflix on the dvds on peacock is not the original cold open that aired with the episode hmm The reasoning behind that is this was supposed to be the Halloween episode. So all the photos, the official photos for this episode show Halloween and are from the cold open. And the cold open originally was this haunted house in the warehouse. So for this haunted house, Michael mimics committing suicide, which offended viewers so much, rightfully so. That's kind of a weird thing to happen. One in a haunted house, but two in a NBC comedy cold open. And so it was removed from any reruns, from the DVDs, from Netflix. And so then part of what you see is supposed to be the opening of the episode. And then that got moved into the cold open about the business meeting and Michael needing to be there. And it is a little weird because you get this interstitial with Jim in front of the bathroom. And it's in the cold open, but it's also in the regular part of the episode, like the the ending of that interstitial, if you recall, where he's talking about co-micromanagement or like, well, a teacher is someone that watches over you and doesn't let you do anything. That was a, that was kind of spliced apart 
between the cold open and the actual like body of the episode. Apparently you can find the original cold open on YouTube, but I would definitely say like it probably would have been cool to see this haunted house, but probably not great on the part of whoever, however many layers of approval that's had to go through for what Michael did in the warehouse. It is weird that a show like this, every once in a while there is a joke that we see that's just kind of like, huh, interesting that they chose to go that way. Yeah, especially with the two we knows on the writing team. And I still think back to Mindy Kaling walking out about Kevin dropping the chili. And then I think of things like you just brought up, like all these other jokes and other things that got through, and that's what she walked out about. Yeah. Another interesting kind of fun fact, if you look at the Do Not Mock board, we don't see it actually verbalized, but under Aaron's name, she doesn't want it mocked that she was in foster care. So that's the first that we're learning that Aaron was a foster child. So this episode was written by Warren Lieberstein, who is Paul Lieberstein who plays Toby. It's his brother and Angela Kinsey's ex-husband actually as well. Wait, Warren Lieberstein is Angela Kinsey's ex-husband? Okay. Yeah, they were previously married. The idea for this episode came because he once actually fell into a koi pond. And so it, it, hearing that, that makes me think, okay, maybe that's why this episode wasn't you know fully fleshed out. Or it does feel like a, a little bit of a pit stop that we don't have great trajectory for the season six like storyline like we kind of had resolution with jim and pam's wedding a little bit and we know that soon maybe there'll be a baby coming for jim and pam but we don't really know where we're going curtis do you think we had any firings this episode no we definitely get some talking to's uh andy definitely crosses the line with pam he gets a little touchy-feely with her Uh, in touching her stomach and it would probably take Pam if not just Pam but also an accompaniment from Toby just to be like hey maybe don't do that anymore Michael also really toes the line here when he talks about the things that can be made fun of which is essentially a list of things that you really really cannot make fun of somebody for exactly and one of them is that Oscar being gay and you're like why does that keep coming up again it's it's the mid 2000s but still Antoinette what is your Dundee for this episode my Dundee award is the surprisingly self-aware award which goes to Andy as they're leaving one of their early cold calls As they're leaving their first cold call and Pam is sort of berating Andy for being weird about the fact that he was way meaner about them being together and he only dates models, etc. Andy isn't taking responsibility for kind of how weird it was. And so Pam has to say, you blew the sale, you idiot. And Andy's instant response is, well, I was never going to make that sale. He he sort of knew it going in. I think he knows what his ability as a salesman is. It's sort of shocking he's stuck around at Dunder Mifflin because he came from Stanford, remember that. And so 
for Andy, who isn't often very self-aware, who was singing early in the episode and being just kind of Andy annoying, this is this is a moment of self-awareness for him. Curtis, what's your Dundee? The pick Elaine Dundee goes to Dwight because in this episode yes. we go back to just Dwight's weird obsession with Michael. When Michael is being made fun of by the other employees, Dwight is the one kind of pointing it out to Michael because they're using wordplay and Dwight is like saying to Michael, you don't have to take this. Don't don't let them do this. And then yeah. he, he goes into Michael's office to say as much later in the episode. And so it is just... It is, like we've talked about in this podcast before, it's Dwight's vacillation between this kind of power-hungry guy and a guy who is only purpose is to serve the boss of the entire office. Yeah, it. I thought that too as we were watching this, because as Michael is doing his sort of making fun of himself routine, Dwight swoops in and says, you don't have to do this. He's trying to, it's kind of, it's kind of like back to stress relief when Michael's doing the comedy roast and Dwight's like, no, you don't have to do this in front of them. You're better than that. Right. Who's your employee of the month? I chose most of the office, uh, not Dwight and not Pam and Andy and not Jim or Michael. Uh, so essentially everybody that was making fun of Michael because they do get some very, very good shots in uh, throughout this entire episode. There's one scene in particular where Stanley says, you just ignore your their carping. And Dwight points out to Michael that a carp is a type of fish. Phyllis says that, did you get right out of the koi pond or did you flounder in there again flounder type of fish and creed asks did you find nemo while you were in there and michael goes well i can name pixar movies too toy story and oscar immediately jumps in and says did you mean koi story and so it is a very for a group of people who generally aren't that quick on the uptake or very bright everybody gets some very quick shots in in this scene i have the exact same employee of the month because that was a really good scene and and very good wordplay as pointed out by dwight so that pretty much wraps up this week's episode please be sure to follow us on twitter at downsizing pod to get all the latest updates and be sure to keep listening to us on google podcasts apple podcasts spotify wherever you're listening to us be sure to rate subscribe like and comment wherever you can in order to get our name out there. We appreciate you guys listening and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.